Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. If you haven't been here before, I want to welcome you to Journey. I want to welcome those online and in Montgomeryville. We are in the middle of a sermon series. We have two more weeks this week, next Sunday. Uh, we entitled How the Devil Steals Christmas. The, the whole idea was um, maybe, maybe he actually enjoys the way we, we celebrate Christmas. Maybe he enjoys the pace. Maybe, maybe without us even knowing it, He's stealing from us the real meaning of Christmas. And so last week we talked about um, spending, the, the stress of, of spending, the pressure of spending. Uh, next week, uh, I want to talk to you about family strife. Anybody in here have a family that's not perfect? Anybody? That's what I thought. And so uh, family, relational strife. Um, one of our favorite pastors we follow, Craig Rochelle, he put a post out this week and he said, Christmas is like a magnifying glass. It, whatever, whatever's good about your life is magnified. Whatever is bad about your life is magnified. And so a lot of us at Christmas, that family strife, it, it tends to be magnified. I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about that. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of stress. I call this message stress Less And so, and the reason I asked you how many days there was is because for some of you instantly, um, when I say there's 15 days of Christmas, you think about all the things you need to get done before you could celebrate on, on Christmas Day. 15 days causes stress. And what's interesting about stress, it's, it's almost the exact opposite of the reason or the point or one of the words that the Bible uses to describe what would happen when Jesus came. The opposite of stress is joy. Joy, biblical joy, is not happiness. That's, 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 that's low-hanging fruit. Happiness is changing all the time. Joy is uh, what the Bible describes as contentment, comfort, and being full of peace. I don't know if you've been to the outlets in the last couple of weeks. There's no peace there, right? I went to Gap this week. I didn't know Gap was popular again. Did you know Gap was popular again? It just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Never changes, keeps coming back. And so if you're out of style right now, just stick with it. You'll be fine in 10 years, right? There's not a lot of peace there. There's not enough registers open, not enough cashiers going. People aren't waiting in line, singing Christmas carols. They're pissed off. There's not a lot of peace there. It's just going to get worse. There's not a lot of comfort. <laughs> there is absolutely very little contentment at Christmas. Am I right? not like, you know what, this year I'm perfectly happy and I'm content. You're like, my stuff stinks. I need more stuff, right? And so we, we, we see there's this joy, right? I want to show you in scripture, and it's almost like Satan has completely flipped the script to where we're living this stress-filled, um, pressure-filled uh, life. Watch what the Bible says in Luke chapter 1. I want to show you this. Uh, Luke chapter 1, very beginning of the description of the first Christmas story. The Bible says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill of the country of Judea. So Mary's not pregnant. Angel said, you're going to get pregnant. It's going to be God's son. You're going to be a virgin. You're going to have to have that conversation with Joseph, right? And so the Bible says, when she entered Zachariah's home, she greeted Elizabeth. And so if you're not a church person, Elizabeth is a relative. Mary's young. She's a virgin. She gets pregnant with God's son. Elizabeth is old, hadn't been able to have a baby. God comes to Zechariah, her husband, and says, yo, buddy, you're going to get your wife pregnant. He laughs. 
And so God says, I'm not going to let you talk until it happens. And so uh, they go home. They do what you do to get pregnant. She gets pregnant. She's now expecting. Mary's expecting. They have one of those sweet moments. The Bible says when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, uh, uh, in her womb, leaped, leaped, right? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you, woman, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb. So there's a baby in Mary's womb, it's Jesus. The baby in her womb, John the Baptist. The Bible says that she says, as soon as I saw you, the baby in my womb, John the Baptist, leaped for what? What's the word? Joy. Joy. It's the very beginning of the Christmas story. Jesus shows up, and a baby, even inside of a womb, is recognizing joy, comfort, contentment peace. You go a little bit farther, Luke chapter 2. We read a little bit of this last week, but I want to get back and show you the word. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you news that will cause great what? What's the word again? Okay, so last week we talked about saving and salvation and free, and then we went back to how it's spending. It's almost like Satan has flipped the script, right? And so next week we're going to take a look at peace because it feels like a lot of us don't have relational peace. Today, what's interesting, very early on, what's the, what's the Christmas message going to do? It's going to bring joy to our lives. It's going to bring contentment. It's going to bring comfort. It's, it's, it's going to bring internal satisfaction. Very early on we see that. There's joy for the shepherds. There's joy in, in, in Mary's womb, or Elizabeth's womb. So what's so interesting is when you think about Christmas, most of us, as, especially as believers, we should be locked in, and it should be the most joy-filled time of the year. But here's what's interesting. When they study um, humans as, as an overall you know, concept, about 40% of us, when they study and say, hey, how, how's, how's Christmas? About 40%, so four out of 10, will say, uh, we have less what during Christmas? Less joy. We're more stressed. They did a study of people who struggle with mental illnesses, and so people who struggle with that, and they found during Christmas that uh, there should be joy, right? There should be, there should be joy, there should be, should be peace, there should be all that, that when they study how people feel during Christmas that struggle, especially with mental illnesses, that 70% of them say this is the worst time of the year. That, that somehow, with a message that says this is going to be a joyous time, This is going to be a time where you find contentment. This is going to be a message that brings comfort. Somehow, over 2,000 years, everything has been flipped to now where we're super stressed. Uh, We have lots of anxiety. We're we're trying to cram it all all in. I I, I read, actually, I read something this week that stuck with me for, for, like, when I read it, I was like, oh, that's so good. And it resonated with me. It was was this woman uh, who worked at a church writing about her experience uh, and her, her understanding of current Christmas, like how she experienced Christmas. And here's what she read. I just want to read a little bit. She says, I can vividly remember the year that Christmas went from being the most wonderful time of the year to the most dreaded and stressful time of the year. I was, it was 10 years ago, she said. I was trying to do all the things, make all the memories, keep all the traditions, attend all the events, buy all the gifts, bake all the treats, deck all the halls, all while working in full-time preschool ministry and trying to make every Sunday extra special for all the children and volunteers in our ministry. I remember one night in the middle of December after a string of very late nights when I was up until the very wee hours of the morning wrapping presents and preparing for a big event, when the weight of all the things finally became too heavy, when all that jungle league came crashing down, and I crashed down with it. 
What used to be a season full of joy became a season full of stress, and it nearly broke me. She said, it was too much work. It was too much stress. It was too much pressure. It was all too much. She said, but in trying to do it all, I did myself in. And then she used this, this line that, she, that, that has been resonating with me. She said, I've heard it said, you either learn enough that you want to change or you hurt enough that you have to change. You either learn enough about, you go, oh, because the Bible says that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers, right? And so I don't know if he's blinding believers. I think he, maybe he just, he just knows that we're going to easily forget all the lights, all the glitz, all the glamour. We're just going to easily forget. We're easy prey. We're going to lose our focus. And so for some of you, I just want you to learn. And some of you, it's only 15 days away. And so maybe this year, you're just going to maybe apply a few of these things. But maybe next year, you remember, okay, I should make some changes in my life because I can't keep doing this the way that I'm doing it. It doesn't even make sense biblically. But others of you are in a place where you're hurting so much that, that it's actually a good thing because you actually have to change. When you put too much pressure on something for too long, what happens? It falls apart. Can I share an embarrassing story with you for a second? Right? Yes, I can. You guys love gossip. And so, <laughs> so I was at a wedding yesterday, and uh, it was a nice wedding. Like, it was, it was weddings have different, you know, levels, you know that. And so... It was at a nice wedding. It was one of those weddings where I was like, I better, I better be good. I better do this good. I better not stutter too much. I better not mess the names up. Like, it was a high-pressure situation. And so it was, in, it was in near Peddler's Village. Anybody ever been to Peddler's Village? That's a perfect little Hallmark town right there, right? And so never, never, I don't remember ever going there. And so Thursday we went. We did the rehearsal. And we, we went right down to Peddler's Village. Me and my wife, we had a quick dinner, walked around, had a Hallmark moment, right? And so took some pictures. Um, and then uh, Saturday was the wedding, and so I, I, I was ready to go. I got to the wedding. It was a beautiful setting. You could tell it was, it was, it was, it was an important moment. It was high end. I, was gonna, I needed to be on my game. And so I got to be honest with you, I killed it. Like I just, <laughs> I was on. Like it was, I was on. I was reading good. I wasn't stuttering. I didn't say the wrong names. And uh, we, 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 you have practice before you do a wedding. We, we, we did it impeccably. Like everything went right. She passed the flowers to the maid of honor at the right time. The guy stood the right way. No, it was good, right? And so everybody was there on time. And so we went through the whole, the whole ceremony. I never you know, mispronounced her names. His last name was super easy to pronounce, so I wasn't stressed out about that at the end. Get to the end, go through the vows. They said their own vows to each other. It was beautiful. Exchanged the rings. Um, did my thing for, for as much as you've exchanged rings and said your vows, symbolic of your lifelong commitment. It's my privilege and honor to pronounce you husband and wife. I said, you may now kiss the bride. I stepped out the way so I don't ruin their pictures because I've done that plenty of times. I'm just awkwardly in the back, right? And so... <laughs> So I stepped out the way, right? And so and, and they, they kissed, and then it was time to, to spin around. I was going to announce them. I, I said their name right. They walked out. They stopped, and they kissed on the way out. Everybody was cheering. It was a beautiful moment. Now, here, here's the little detail I didn't give you. Um, when we did the, the wedding, pre, she was like, can you hold my vows for me? And so I was like, yeah, I can hold your vows. And so she gave me this folded-up piece of paper, and I didn't really have anywhere to put it, so I put it in my back pocket. And so uh, it's, you know, I've been in there for a couple, an hour and a half. And so I was like, I should probably get these vows out of my back pocket before she uses them or they might be soggy. And so, right? And so I pulled it out mid, mid. I did like this amazing transition. Nobody was watching. I just pulled it out like a, so everything was great. She gave them back to me towards the end of the ceremony and they dropped. 
And so I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I'm supposed to be the last one that walks out. This is the end of the ceremony. What am I supposed to do? And so the, the, the vows drop. They walk out. Everybody's cheering. The first couple, couples get together. They're walking out. I'm like, I'll just sneakily pick them up. And so in my head, I'm very competitive with myself. And so I have read that if you've dropped something, if you, depending on how you pick it up, depend, tells you if you're an athlete. <laughs> it's a true story. So if you drop something and you just reach over like this, that means you are a non-athletic person. If you're an athlete, you go into a squat. You just deep squat. You just pick it up. I'm not going to do it right now, but you just, and so I'm like, I'm going to deep, I'm not going to do, I'm not an, not an athlete. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go. And so I, I bend over to get it. It's a true story. Bend over to get it. Bend over to get it. Bend down to get it. I go deep. I'm like deep squatting. I hear. Here's the picture. Just for proof so you know I'm not lying. True story. End of the ceremony comes. The lady's looking at me. Everybody's out. Everybody's looking at me. I'm like air traffic control. I'm like, you're just going to leave. You're going to exit thing. I walk sideways like this over to the DJ. I rip off my microphone. I'm trying to get out of this place. The clip from the microphone falls on the ground. He's like, hey, where's the clip? He's like, I'm like, I don't know. He's like, oh, it's by your foot. I kick it like this over to him. I can't bend over. I sneak out, I'm walking like this, I finally, I don't have my phone with me, the only way out is through everybody, I'm like, I can't walk that way, thank God Leah comes and finds it, she's like, what's wrong, I'm like, I ripped my pants, and she was like, okay, what are you going to do, I'm like, I'm going to sneak out the back, and I'm going to run to the car, and we're going to leave, right, and we're going to tell them, hey, we had to leave, we're not trying to be rude, but there's a huge hole in the back of my pants, she got mad at me, she's like, you're not going to walk with me to get my jacket, I was like, no, right, like, you imagine if I was supposed to stay there and do the prayer, right? I was trying to think about it in my head one minute. I'm going to tie my jacket around my waist, right? <laughs> Untuck my shirt. Man, the pastor's been partying already. What am I going to do, right? <laughs> you, put, you put too much pressure on something, what happens? <laughs> and so what I want to do is I, I want to I relieve some some Christmas weight, some, some, some pressure. I want to give you a few thoughts, and here's the actual, actual truth. Um, there's four, but they're not for everybody. The first two, specifically uh, for believers in this place that are trying to change up the pace of your Christmas. The third one is specifically for somebody who is either a believer, but you're still struggling with your past, or a non-believer that's living in your past. And the fourth one is specifically for somebody in this place that doesn't yet know Christ. So I just want to give you four. Um, the first two are really important if you, if you want to apply some learning to your, to your life. You want to regain some joy. Here's the first thing you got to do if you want to reclaim, reclaim some Christmas joy. Number one, you got to learn to let go of the commotion. Write it down somewhere. I mean, think about how weird it is. Jesus comes. It's quiet. He's in a manger. Nobody knows he's there. Some shepherds show up. There's no party there. There's no trees. There's no lights. Just Jesus and his family. 
Fast forward 2,000 years later, right? Think about even at churches. I saw this meme this week. It was like, Jesus comes. It's a quiet night. It's a silent night. Nobody knows about Jesus. He's born in a humble manger, right? 2,000 years later, when we're celebrating Jesus, it was a picture of a church. They had these tracks going down the center of the church, and they had people swinging on ropes, right, playing guitars, and it said behind, Jesus is the reason for the season. And you're like, it was, it's almost like we're like, yeah, that wasn't good enough. Let us show you how you should celebrate the coming arrival of the King of Kings. Think about how crazy everything gets. It's the most stressful time of the year. Jesus born in a manger. Okay, let's run as fast as we can and get as crazy as we can, right? To the point where we have no joy and we're full of stress. So the first thing you gotta do is you gotta let go of all the commotion. Stop trying to fit too much stuff in to the calendar to the point where nothing is enjoyable. What happens, what happens, what happens when you try to fit too much stuff in? Do I gotta remind you? You don't have to fit it all in. You don't have to run the race. You don't have to be stressed out. It's what I call the hallmark effect. You ever been in a real town like Phoenixville? There's some Christmas decorations, but it's very low key. Every once in a while, business decorated. You watch Hallmark. Every business is fully decorated perfectly. You walk into a Hallmark house. Every room in a Hallmark house, the bathroom is decorated in a Hallmark house. The snow is perfectly mounted. There's no brown snow in a Hallmark movie. Everything is perfect. Everything is full. Every night there's a, there's a band playing in the street and you meet Joe from Seattle and you, you know, fall in love. And all the, like every night is probably, it's just, it's crammed with Christmas activities and Christmas traditions and all of a sudden we're feeling the weight. We gotta, we gotta fit some more stuff in. You wanna bring the joy back into this season. Stop trying to fit it all in. In fact, I love this verse, Ecclesiastes chapter four. If you're not a Bible person, just so you know, Ecclesiastes um, is written by an old man to young people. An old man that has experienced everything you and me can experience. I love Ecclesiastes. And he's writing it in his old age, hopefully trying to bring wisdom to younger people. And he writes this one verse. I never actually know if I stopped to pay attention to it before. Ecclesiastes 4, verse number 6. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better, better one. In other words, he's saying, it's better to have less of what does matter than it is to have more of what doesn't. Better, better one handful of, of activities and Christmas tradition and some, I don't know, that word, that, doesn't, that never equals Christmas. Tranquility. Better to do that than have two handfuls with the chasing after the wind, right? It's better to have less of what doesn't matter. In other words, let me, it's better to have a smaller house and time to enjoy it than it is to have a larger house that you need to work overtime for and you can't, you're never there. It's better to have an older car that is paid off than it is to have a brand new car that you have to take out a separate mortgage and sell your kidney for. It's better to enjoy the simple moments of the Christmas season than it is to cram a bunch of activities in an attempt to make the most of every day, right? You have to get rid of some of the Chris Christmas clutter in your life. In other words, it's okay to simplify. It's okay to say no sometimes. We can't do that. It's okay, here's, it's okay to stay home sometimes. It's okay to rest. You're not that important. Let me just preach for you for a second. 
The world will keep spinning if you stay home in your overweighted sweatpants, get a hot chocolate, and watch Daddy's Home too. The world <laughs> will keep moving. Like, we did it this season. I got to tell you, it's been a blessing. Like, we, 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 we realize some, sometimes you learn, you learn and you change, and sometimes you hurt and you change. And we were right in the middle of both of those where we were going nonstop, 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 nonstop sports all year long. First time ever that's happened to us. We played sports. We didn't stop at all. It happened specifically for my 10-year-old. He played football last year. As soon as football was over, we started basketball. Uh, I coached. We won the championship. Just want to make sure you get all that. And so <laughs> won the championship in, in basketball. As soon as basketball was over, we started rec league baseball. As soon as rec league baseball was over, we started tournament team baseball. As soon as tournament team baseball was over, we started off-season conditioning for 10-year-old football. As soon as that was over, we started football. And as soon as that was over, guess what? The, literally, the week that that was over, the next week, basketball started again. I looked at him, I was like, bro, we need a break. I was like, I know we won the championship last year. And I know we probably should defend it. But it was probably lucky. Let's just go out on top. <laughs> so we're just going to take a break. Carter's in between, see, like, getting ready for baseball, but he doesn't start till January. My only son that's playing something right now is, is Lincoln. He's playing middle school basketball, which is a very low amount of commitment, and it's in the, during the day. And so we, we can be home at nighttime. And I got to tell you something. This last week, three of five days, by 5.30 at night, I was in my sweatpants laying on my floor in front of my fireplace. I watched the Eddie Murphy movie, some new Eddie Murphy movie. Um, we watched a Hallmark movie. We sle I slept. Um, we babysat my mom's new puppy for the week. And when he slept, I was like, I guess it's God's will. We should sleep too, right? And I, I had one of the best weeks I've had in a long time. I didn't do anything. And God still loves me. I'm telling you, if you want to actually step into some joy of the season, you got to get rid of some of the commotion in your life. Let me just give you the reason I think we have so much commotion. Because you ever been doing something and you're doing it along with everybody else that's doing it, but nobody's really enjoying it? I know everybody loves, loves Disney World, but sometimes I think to myself, do we really? Like some people make it there, but sometimes I'm like, I think we're all just here because we're supposed to be here, but nobody's crying. Like sometimes we just do things just because everybody else is doing them. We don't even ask ourselves why we're doing them. And the real reason is, is uh, we have this commotion in our life because we also struggle with the word called competition. See, if you want to let go of some commotion, one of the main reasons you don't let go of some commotion in your life is because ultimately we're competing with people. You're competing. We have what I call the unspoken competitions in our life. You know what I'm talking about? Like I tell you, I love my grass. I'm in a competition with my neighbors. It's never been spoken about. It's me. You ever go to a restaurant, park, and see another family getting out the same time as you? Right? Nobody said it's a competition, but you're going to make sure you beat them in there, right? A few weeks ago, I was at the Sixers game, and the guy who took us had season tickets, and we got to shoot a free throw at the end of the game. None of us realize there'll be a thousand season ticket holders watching, and it's in Philly. They're saying stuff as people are missing. <laughs> and so six of us were there. We all shot. First guy made it. Second guy threw it underhand. Next two guys airballed it. And then it's me. I'm like, well, if I hit the rim, 
I'm already doing better than them. <laughs> Nobody said it's a competition, but let's be honest, it's a what? It's a competition. Nobody says we're competing with other people at Christmas. We're not. Our families are just doing our own thing. But we spend all day scrolling. Oh, they went to Tinseltown. I'm going to go to Tinseltown too. They go to Christmas Village. I'm going to make sure I get a season pass there. They're in this play. I'm going to be in that play. They dance. I'm going to dance. They play sports. I'm going to play sports. They go here. I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to do it. We're going to have a better Christmas. They go away for here. We're going to go away here. Everything is kind of a competition. Everything is about staying ahead of other people. Everything is about keeping up with the pace of other people. Sometimes you got to stop competing. You got to step back and ask yourself, are we all in a race to nowhere? I remember I went to the Eagles open practice and we were in the same kind of competition. There were so many people walking to the open practice. We're racing people, trying to get in line. We raced, raced a bunch of people to get in a line and we got in this line and we waited and we realized we were in the wrong what? Line. We beat a bunch of people in a race that led to nowhere. Could it be that our Christmas celebrations are in competition, right, with other people and we're in a race to nowhere? It's not leading us to the destination of joy and of peace and of hope and of happiness and of contentment and, and, and of family memories. It's actually just leading us to more stress. So what do you do if you step back and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm watching what everybody else is doing. I'm running the race. Everybody else is running and we're going to nowhere. You got to step back and do a couple practical things. Let me tell you the first practical thing you could do. You could limit your, what I would call digital distractions. Average person every 12 minutes checks their phone. That means during my sermon, I'm going to preach about three hours today, you're going to check it. Over and over and over again, by the end of your life, can I give you something that's really sad for all of us? By the end of our lives, the average human living on this planet will spend seven years on their phone. Seven years on, on your phone. If you live till you're 90, that's one twelfth of your life. You will spend like this, looking at what other people are doing. Am I doing enough? Am I competing enough? Did I have enough this Christmas? I remember a couple years ago, I was watching everybody. They were going to Christmas Village. I was like, we should go to Christmas Village. Everybody that, that loves Christmas, everybody that does anything significant goes to Christmas Village. So I surprised my kids on a Sunday night. I'm like, we're going to do something fun. I've told you this story before. We got over that hill. Anybody ever been to Christmas Village? You pull over this hill. You see all these lights, right? You wait in this long line. You pull down. You park in this parking lot. You go through this gate that is like literally a, 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 a cattle gate. Like you just herd yourself through. You walk around in a circle, right? You look at lights that are probably 100 years old. I don't know. And so around, everything's behind glass. You get hot cocoa on the way out and you leave. And I remember thinking to myself, why did I come here, right? Why did, we, why did we waste our money? And the reason we wasted our money is because everybody else loves Christmas Village. Okay, the next year, we have, well, that didn't work. My kids hated that. Okay, next year, we're going to go to the zoo. We're going to go see lights at the zoo. We're going to go, it's going to be awesome. We get to the zoo. We see all these lights. There's no animals out. I'm like, we're, lit, we're looking at pre-lit up uh, penguins in the penguin display. Same thing, walked around in a circle, get overpriced hot cocoa, get to our car. Why are we doing all these things? This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be busy. We're supposed to send money. We're supposed, I'm going to say, limit digital distractions and stop making FOMO decisions, right? It's okay if you can't go on that crazy holiday trip. It's okay if you only have one tree in your house. Do you know that? It's okay. It's okay if you only have a few presents under your tree. It's, it's okay, right, if your house is not covered in perfect lights, right? It's okay. 
okay, right? You can, you can be at peace. You can have joy. In fact, here's, here's what the Bible says to do. Here's what the Bible says to do. Uh, Hebrews 12, I love this verse. It says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for who? What's the word? Let us run with, with the race marked, not for everybody else. Who are you in competition with? Yourself. Your race is your own race. Here's what you do. I'm going to run the race marked out for me, and I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. In fact, Paul says it in Colossians 3. He says, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Guess what? Everything you scroll on social media, what is it? It's an earthly thing. I'm going to set my minds on the things above. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to stop with the competition. I'm going to stop with the commotion. Let me just give you two more. Laura, you could play me out. And so two more, two more. Now, these, these are, this, one, this one's important. Here, here's why some of us refuse to stop with the commotion in our lives. We refuse to slow down. We refuse to, to walk in joy. Number three, you got to let go of the condemnation. This one's important. And so here's, here's what the, I was working through this. I'm like, okay, what, what are the practical steps? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, some people, some people you're going to speak to um, have a past of addiction, have the past of prison, have a past of uh, just not being present, have a past of stupidity. Am I preaching to anybody? Preaching to myself, stupidity. And so um, have a past. And because you have a past, some, some people have missed Christmases that are here right now, um, weren't, didn't make as many memories as you were supposed to make, didn't have the perfect Hallmark Christmas, didn't measure up. So because of that, here in Montgomeryville, some people are carrying around the spirit of condemnation. And that spirit of condemnation is the constant voice of, uh, of, of reminding you, you didn't do enough, you, 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 you didn't spend enough, you weren't present enough, you, you didn't give them enough memories, you, you, you wasted that. And what's happening is you have this Christmas now, and even though the Lord has given you salvation and you stepped into this present moment, you are still allowing Satan to yell at you about your past, and he's telling you, you've wasted so many Christmases, you have to make up for them. You miss so many. You better buy, you better spend money you don't have to pay for the presents you didn't buy. You better be as busy as you can possibly be. And what you're listening to is the spirit of condemnation. Condemnation is a constant reminder of what you did wrong. In fact, one of the greatest examples of condemnation, because condemnation is just regret with no, no, way, off, no way out, is Judas. Remember the story of Judas? Uh, actually, Judas and Peter, both of them, they deny Christ. Jesus is about to die. They deny Christ. Um, Judas sells them out for 30 silver pieces. Peter denies him to a little girl. I don't know what's worse. Both of them feel instant shame and instant regret. Judas, though, allows condemnation to cause him to believe that there was no way that if Jesus comes back from the dead that he's ever going to forgive me and he goes out and he hangs himself, which ultimately, by the way, is what Satan wants for you. He might not convince you to physically kill yourself, but he wants you to spiritually die. He wants you to never, ever, ever get rid of the, the, the voices in your head that tell you how much of a screw-up you are, that tells you how many mistakes that you've made. And some of you, because this is the religious spirit, are carrying that around with you. And if you were honest, this is the reason you work so hard during the holiday season. I'm trying to make up for lost time. But that's not the spirit of grace. 
That's not the spirit of, of new mercies being given to you every morning. Peter, he does the same thing. He stays alive long enough to let Jesus come find him. And when Jesus comes and finds him, he forgives him and he sets him free. And what's cool is he becomes the one through which the Holy Spirit uses to preach the first message about the gospel. And the gospel is all about forgiveness and grace. Who better to preach about forgiveness and grace than the dude that just screwed up? I'm just telling you, some of you, I just, in my spirit, I just, I just, I just heard it. Like, I, so many of us come here with so much past, and you're, you're trying to pay it off. And, and you're carrying around something. And, and the Bible says this about your past. I want to read this verse. I, I love this. And, uh, in, in, the, in the book of Acts chapter 3, it says, uh, repent and turn to God. So that's what, you, when you find, find Jesus, you repent and you turn to God so that your sins may be, what's that word? Can you tell me what that word is? Wipe that. Not to, so that he can keep them in the back of his pocket to remind you, can, like, so that your sins can be wiped White clean. Remember the Etch-a-Sketches from years ago? You got them for Christmas? I hated Etch-a-Sketches. I never could do anything but a line on Etch-a-Sketch. But when you had an Etch-a-Sketch, maybe you were working really hard and somebody would just shh and ruin it all. And it was gone. Like if it, you didn't, there wasn't a save button on the Etch-a-Sketch, right? It wasn't Dropbox. It wasn't Google Docs, right? Some, some of you, you're, 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 you're thinking to technologically advanced with God, okay? There's got to be a spot somewhere where he keeps all those sins. The Bible says when he forgives you, he forgives you as far as the east is from the west, which if you, if you do the geography, that just means it's a circle. You just, you, you're not going to find it. So I, 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 like some of you, listen, the story and the star of your life is not failure, it's the grace of God. Stop allowing the voice of condemnation to convince you that you need to go back, you need to pay for your sins, you need to make things right. You need, no, no. You need to step into the present that God has given you and be the person God has created you to be from this day forward. Last one, last one. As we close, um, if you really want to have joy in your life, those, those are kind of for Christians, right? You really want to have joy, you got to let go of control. And so this, this, is, this is my last thought. I could give you all of these things, right? We're going to let go of commotion. We're going to let go of condemnation. We're going to let go uh, of competition. Okay. But for some of you in this place, the truth is your lack of joy in your life right now is because you lack, you lack uh, giving God control. And so these people are not mad that are leaving. Just want you to know this happens every week. They're going to serve. And so we'll just let them get out and then we'll do our thing. And so uh, sometimes people are like, are they mad? He said, what did he say, right? <laughs> so we're just going let to them, let them leave because this is the only service that happens in and everybody goes like this. And we're just going to come back here. This is the most important part of the message. And so um, the control thing, the control thing. And he, he, here's why. I found this to be the central message of the, of the gospel story, the first Christmas. You, you go back to it. You, you read about it. It's, it's, it's about Mary letting go of control. And so anybody else type A, a here? <laughs> like if most girls here, you have a plan, right? This is my plan. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing, right? Guys, some of us are planned out, but most of the time we need our wife to do that. And so, um, so Mary, you think she's, she's, she's betrothed or engaged to be married. She has all sorts of plans for her life. Are you trying, we, like sometimes we dehumanize Bible characters. We're like, yeah, she was probably cool with having Jesus. The truth is this messed everything up for her. 
The Bible says that the, the angel comes to, to Mary, Luke chapter 1, verse number 28, and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What, what does that mean? What does that mean, anybody? She's mad. She doesn't like this. She's like, what's going on here, right? This wasn't part of the plan. I'm planning a wedding here, right? I'm trying to get married. God comes and says, you're favored. I don't like this favor. That's what she's saying, right? But the angel says to her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Here's the plan. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Jesus, right? He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. This is going to mess up stuff. This is going to impact some stuff. This is going to be weird, right? The angel says the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said was unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So this is this moment. She's like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to give up control. I got all these plans. And then she says this beautiful, this beautiful, I love this. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. And may what you're saying, you can have control of me. The very first, the very first character in the Christmas story is doing exactly what every person in this room has to start at to have real joy in their life. In fact, it says it in Psalms. It says this. It says, there's a promise. It says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. That's, that's, that's control. I'm going to give up control. I'm going to trust in him. And when I trust in him, he'll help me. When he helps me, my heart will leap for joy, and I'll sing a song of praise to him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to give up control. And when I do that, I'm going to be filled with joy. So here's the last point. Some of you you have all sorts of stress, all sorts of anxiety, all sorts of worry, all sorts, and you're hurting right now in your life. And God has allowed you to get to this point to force you to see with your own eyes, maybe I should make a change. Maybe I can't do this on my own. And the Bible says when you come to your senses and you repent and you turn your life back to God, that he'll take you just as you are, but he's not going to leave you that way. But it's, a, it's literally, I'm going to give up control of my life. I'm not, I'm not going to be the boss anymore. You will never, you will never, you will never, you will never, you will never. Can I say it again? You will never. You will never. You will never be satisfied. You will never find joy. You will never have contentment. You will never have peace. You will never have purpose. You will always be searching, never be finding without Jesus. It is impossible to have those things without Jesus. The Bible says all you got to do is call on his name. Jesus Christ, I'm tired of living on my own. Jesus, would you come to my aid? Would you save me? Would you heal me? Would you make me whole? Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet all over this house? And I want you to find yourself in this message. Some of you, you are followers of Jesus Christ. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. You're followers of Jesus Christ, but you're, you're like me. Like, it's, it's, this is, it's so easy. It's so easy. It's so easy to just run, 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 run. Go, 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 go. Never stop. Never stop. Just, just go and not even think about it. 
So I hope some of us, myself included, maybe we've had our eyes open and we've learned to the point where we want to make changes. And others of us are hurting so much that we have to make a change. Others of you in this place, if you're honest, when I talked about condemnation at you, you have a past. You, you, you've come from some stuff. You've made some mistakes. You weren't the husband you thought you were going to be. You weren't, the, weren't the, the wife you thought you were going to be. You weren't the parent you thought you were going to be. Man, you've messed up. And if you're honest, you, you hear that condemnation all the time. Man, you didn't do enough. And you actually carry that weight around. And you're trying to work. And you're trying to complete. And you're trying to compensate for your past mistakes. And Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. The mistakes of your past, they're finished. The, the person that you were in the past, that's not who you are anymore. Your, your star of your life is not failure. The star of your life is God's grace. And some of you, you have a relationship with Jesus, but you need to understand the deep significance of his love, that the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's other people in this place, I want to specifically talk to you right now, that when I talk about control, um, that you, you, still, you still have it. Some of you are even trying to follow God by keeping control. Like that's not how it works. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. He said, wide is the road that leads to destruction and many find it. Narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few choose it. I'm telling you, some of you, you're, 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 you think it's a counselor that you need. You think it's a breakthrough. You think it's a raise. You think it's a relationship. You, you think it's an accomplishment. You think if I could just get this, then I'd be satisfied. And that is only found in Jesus. And so you give up control. Jesus Christ, I'm not the boss of my life anymore. That's repentance. I'm going to turn my life to you. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. And the Bible says when you call on him, I love this, he'll answer. He'll meet you right there in that moment. He's not going to leave you that way, I promise. But he'll take you just as you are. Here's the thing about God, though. His Holy Spirit has filled this room. He's a gentleman, though. He is not going to force himself on you. This is a decision. Today, I'm going to give up control. I'm going to stop seeking my own ways. I'm going to stop running. I'm hurting enough that I know I need to make a change. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. I'm going to put my faith in him. I know he came to this earth and he died on a cross for my sins. He was placed in a tomb, and on the third day, the Bible says that he rose in power. And it's through him that we become a brand new person. Amen. Our sins are forgiven. Our eternity is secure. The Bible says that we receive life and life to the full. You want real joy? You want real peace? You want real hope? You want real love? It's only found in Jesus. Amen. But you have to decide. I'm going to let go of control and I'm gonna give it to Jesus. And so I wanna give you that chance. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're in between. I don't care if you're accomplished or you're in rock bottom. The Spirit of God is working and He's knocking at the doors of people. You've been put on this, this, in this room at this exact moment in history. God knew the exact seat you were gonna be sitting in. He knew the exact message you would hear and He is knocking at the door of your heart. 
Let them in. Jesus Christ, I want a relationship with you. I want to lead you in a simple prayer, but I want you to take one step of faith. Nobody's looking around, both here in Montgomeryville. I want you to take one step of faith. It's going to take a little bit of courage. You're going to have to not worry about the person to your right or left. And here's the truth. Someday, you're going to stand before God. And nobody here is going to be with you. And what happens when you stand before God is determined by your response in this moment. Jesus Christ, would you be my Lord and my Savior? Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. Saved people do. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. I'm going to give up control. I'm going to let go. Real joy is going to fill your heart, maybe for the very first time. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. All over our houses and here in Montgomeryville, I don't know Christ, but I need to. Do me a favor. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven? I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I'm going to let go of control. I'm going to let him be God in my life right now. I'm going to let him do what he wants to do. If you're in Montgomeryville, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I, but I need to. I'm going to let go of control. I'm going to give him everything. Would you clap with the person in Montgomeryville? All the way here in Phoenixville. Would you do me a favor all over this house? Would you pray with me? Would you let them hear your voice from here? Say, Jesus Christ, today I let go of control. I give you permission to be the Lord and Savior of my life. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. I'm never turning back. And as we celebrate that, as we thank the Lord for what he's doing, as people are still responding in Montgomeryville right now, we thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us that know you to find ourselves in this message. We don't have to be as busy as we are. We don't have to be as stressed as we are. We don't have to run the pace that we run. We, we, we don't have to do those things. The truth is, oftentimes, we don't even have eyes to see. So, Lord, would you open up our spiritual eyes and would you, would you help us to learn so that we can change? And others of us, thank you for the pain that you've allowed us to get to so that we have to. But thank you for all that you've done. But thank you for the freedom that's found in your presence. Thank you for those that struggle with condemnation, that they're leaving this place with freedom, that the voices they've been hearing, the reminders they've been receiving, that they're going away, that they're going to hear they're a child of God. They've been redeemed. They've been set free. They're a brand new creation. The old is dead and gone. Thank you for all that you continue to do. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence. In your name that we pray all over our houses. Would you shout amen and would you clap with me? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.